Welcome to another edition of Consider This. Um, I'm joined in the studio today by Drew Henderson, the leader of our family ministry team here at Sunnybrook, um, who also runs the junior high ministry called Fusion, um, by Paul Weiss on our adult ministry team, and by of our college ministers, Drew Moss. Um, my name is Zane Sutherland, and I get to be um, a part of our kids' ministry here at the church. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, what we've been discussing in our Acts series on Sunday mornings, this whole idea of evangelism and boldness. Um, and these these last couple of weeks we've been kind of in the story in Acts 3 and 4 where, where Peter and John um, have this moment where there's a miracle that happens um, and they are presented with an opportunity to share the truth of the gospel um, with the people around them, and we see them do that um, in a really, really awesome way. Um, and so we, uh, we're we going to be talking a little bit more about what that looks like to share our faith and talk about the truth about Jesus. Um, but to kind of fill everybody in a little bit on um, what our staff has been going through here recently, we actually just got back um, from an awesome couple days uh, on a staff retreat where we got to travel up to Joplin, Missouri, um, and spend some time with some some of our good friends at Ozark Christian College who gave us some some really good challenges um, of just what it looks like to be in ministry. Um, and actually one of those one of those challenges um, that Michael DeFazio gave us was was actually to ask each other hard questions. Um, and so these guys came into the studio today expecting one thing, um, but we are going to change that up a little bit. <laughs> Um, and so I will be asking the three of you guys just some different difficult questions um, about this whole idea of evangelism and, and stuff like that. So it'll still be um, kind of building this this theme and acts that we've been doing. But the questions will be different than what you, you just, had. You just let me lie to Drew Henderson's face and you just went along with it. I, I didn't even know it. I smiled at Steve, though. You smi- <laughs> Nobody caught it, but I smiled at Steve. So. Um, what what we actually want to do, you know, Peter says um, in, in First Peter that, I, you know, we, we should be ready to give a defense at any time, right? Um, and Paul kind of says the same thing, that we need to be ready in season and out of season. So at any given moment, um, to be able to, to share the reason why we have this hope in Christ. And so what we're going to do is I have three different questions that we're going to throw at each one of you. Um, each one of you will, will, will get one of the questions, and then the rest of us will kind of um, help fill in the edges a little bit. Um, but that's kind of how today is going to go. So we're going to start. Okay, first of all, can I just say, I am amazed at the amount of planning that went into not telling us the actual questions. <laughs> I mean, there's this whole list of questions I got typed up. Ebert put a lot of effort into deceiving us on this. So I'm just going to say, um, I hope that uh, Ebert puts as much effort into his next sermon or lesson as he did into this fake lesson that he's teaching us right now. So On the bright side, the lessons that, or the questions that you did get will be used okay. on the next one. So you can still prepare to have those those questions discussed. But we are going to do this as, as kind of a fun way to, um, to kind of throw a little bit of... of I don't know, um, questions towards us and to see how we respond um, as a way to, to encourage our church body as well of, hey, you know, we, we have to be ready to share this truth as well. Um, and so uh, one, one of the things that, that was said um, at our staff retreat, one of the, the challenges that was given was also this idea of like to not assume anything, right? As we were sitting down discussing how we share faith and everything, sometimes 
we as a staff can assume people um, have an understanding that there's there's these foundational things that um, people already know. And yet sometimes uh, I actually had this discussion last night with one of my volunteers that because of their their experience growing up, they might have missed some of those foundational things. And so the challenge for you guys today, as, as we kind of throw some of these questions at you, is to not assume anything. You know, I, I get to play kind of the fool today. Um, and you guys get to help play the fool today as other guys are answering. And, and we want to, um, to the best best of our abilities, if, if this is somebody that is completely new to this whole idea of Jesus and, and believing in Jesus and giving their life to Christ and following, um, what, what did the basics look like in this question? So, um, Henderson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. Um, and we're going, I, the question that I want you to answer is, what is the gospel? Right. That's that's a that's a statement or a term that we use a lot here at Sunnybrook. Um, you know, and if you are a part of any of our teachings, you will hear the term gospel a lot. And yet um, I want you to define, you know, in the next five minutes, what what is the gospel? What what is the good news? So, yeah, that's what that word means. The gospel means good news. Um, I think if I had to I don't know if I could summarize it in a sentence, but I think it would be that truth that best explains life as we know it right now that um is true over everything else and i think if you kind of got to go back into the whole story it is the story of god uh redeeming this world starting with creation and the fall that then happened that and this promise that he was going to bring a messiah a savior into the world which he did in the man Jesus Christ, and it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the fulfillment of all that God predicted, actually in Acts uh, chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this on Sunday. This is the fulfillment. This would be God's plan. And um, Jesus talks a lot about the coming kingdom of God that was there in him, in the flesh, as he lived um, life here on earth, and the kingdom that's now reigning because he's died and was buried and then ultimately rose again, ascended to heaven with the Father. And with that being the truth, um, we have really the opportunity to either accept or reject um, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is what I just said. (laughs) Okay, so let me, let me, kind of ask this, why is that good news for me? If I, if I'm stepping into this church, and there's this truth that there's a God who has created and he sent his son Jesus to die. Like, why, why does that change Zane Sutherland's life? Why does that change Joe Smith's life? You know, if we're, we're coming into this, explain why. Like, why is that good news? Why does that matter? I think it matters ultimately because a lot of us kind of come at life um, just with the, the general, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm just trying to kind of define reality and life as we know it. Um, If we're good, if we're all good, if I can pretty much just attain life um, and and a good life on my own, then I essentially have no need. There's really no need for the good news of the gospel, okay? And so I think that could be one of our main struggles that we experience in culture today with uh, just so many different advances that we have, and I'm not against advances, but we really have um, attained, at least in, in our country, not necessarily the rest of the world, but would be our little corner of the world. Uh, I don't know if we've uh, obtained this utopia or this perfect place. Uh, it doesn't take very long 
and very far uh, digging into people's lives to realize that that's actually not true. But it's good news because um, ultimately there is sin in the world, which is bad news, and we need redemption from that. And so you can go down all sorts of different ways um, to get to this point, and people can uh, try to find different ways, different ways of showing you that, man, look, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need the gospel, this good news that you're talking about. But I think if you do begin to probe and ask and deal with some of life's deeper questions, mm-hmm. um, which we're pretty good at avoiding and yeah. medicating with entertainment, media, the next event, our own children's success, our jobs, all of those things. Uh, it doesn't take long to start digging that, that. I think we can find that all of us need good news of the gospel for sure. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I might be breaking the rules here, but I'm, nope. I'm going to jump in on what, what Drew said. I think um, uh, religious or unreligious, spiritual, unspiritual, whatever you want to say, I think everybody like knows at the core, if they're willing to like pause and think, if they're willing to not uh, ignore or medicate or entertain away these thoughts, I think everybody knows at the core something's wrong with them. And something's wrong in this world. That's why we have to spend so many times telling kids they're perfect just the way they are. Why we tell young people and old people, hey, you've got what it takes. You can do it because everybody knows inside that there's something in me that doesn't have what it takes. There's something in me that's not perfect. And and so as much as everyone tries to tell, that's why magazines are filled with little uh, or bookstores are filled with self-help sections and magazines always have these like five tips to a perfect or whatever, um, to a perfect relationship or a perfect sex life or to to a, a whatever, a brand new you to these mm-hmm. things because everybody knows. Or if you watch the news, you know, it's not just me. It's, it's the rest of the world. Like, I, I don't think anybody can argue that there's something wrong with them and and the gospel i think is aiming at this thing and going hey this is this is what it is there's this issue of sin in your life and in the world and this is the answer towards that paul will you round us out kind of in, yeah. in, in its simplest form right and again you can fill in some of the edges sure. or give us a little bit of a different perspective but in its simplest form again you have grandkids, right? Sadie's mm-hmm. about to get to a point where she can understand this stuff. And so in a very simple way, you know, mm-hmm. um, if this is something completely new, help me understand mm. what is the gospel. Well, if I'm telling a three-year-old, this is as awesome as you are, you are broken, right, at mm-hmm. some level. And this is kind of a way I would describe it. Broken meaning that because sometimes you choose to live for ways other than What's the best way? And mo- mainly that is you. You live, you want to do things that you want. And sometimes doing things that we want um, at the cost of other people is, is a brokenness that happens with us. That's mm-hmm. a part of sin. And I, I guess if I'm telling a three-year-old, I'm telling him that. Um, coming back to your question, sure. what's the gospel? It's the work of Christ. And, mm-hmm. and, and so if someone's asking, so why do I need that? I, I think we've heard both Drew's squared say that you know this idea that because we are broken what god created has been broken and we're a part of that brokenness um and i i would say i don't know if this is leading to where you're headed it is the uncomfortableness of asking and saying and confronting someone that they're broken because i think we've been taught because everybody's told me i'm an i'm an amazing person when you come along and say no i think you're broken like i am um, we're a little bit apprehensive to have that conversation with people. And I think that's where 
a lot of times when we talk about being bold, as we talked about in Acts 4, the boldness that they had to preach the truth, uh, which was very convicting and very confronting and done with love, uh, is something that innately uh, a lot of times we bring fear into that and we avoid those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of on that line, that actually is a perfect segue into the next deal. Um, I I want you to share with us, um, what does it look like to tell people about the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're going to use this term evangelize Mm -hmm. um, often over these next several weeks, especially here and consider this, um, I want you to kind of walk me through your process, Paul, of how Mm -hmm. you, you start a conversation and walk somebody through telling them the truth of, of mm-hmm. who Jesus is and mm-hmm. why there is this sin problem mm-hmm. and why Jesus and not everything else, right. just simply Jesus is the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your right. process in that? Well, my process is pretty easy when the person comes um, broken and contrite and hurting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you have something in this medical kit that I need? And when someone asks that, it's fun to go through and just go, oh, yeah, I, I can tell you. Let me let me begin to tell you the story of, of what Scripture p- paints out about who we are. The problem becomes is when I begin to search for someone who um, I feel like is, is searching but doesn't even know what they're searching for. And then it's like, how do I put myself in position to have a conversation? And so sometimes the conversation will go to the very core, I think, of who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, years ago when I was in school, I think even back in my junior high, high school days, they ask these questions, you know, why are you here? What's your purpose? And, and why, what's the reason for humans being on earth? And so that's a fundamental question that I think is a great conversation starting piece is like, so, so tell me what's, what's, what's your goal for life? What's your plan? Um, and, and how does that, you know, so your plan is to go to college to do what and to do what and to follow that, or just talk to somebody who's already in the midst of that or on the downside of that. Um, like, so you're going to retire and you have savings. And then it, it's the age old question, but dealing with death and dealing with finality and, and asking. So, so your thoughts about the world is that at the end of all things, we live it as best as we can for ourselves. And then we just die and they bury us. And some people show up and say, Hey, he was a great guy. And, and just have them think through that. And, and so for me, in asking those kinds of questions as I am entertaining what I would call newer relationships um, and probing for that um, and sensing that they need the gospel, that they have not experienced the truth of the gospel for them, to give them hope, um, to give them a reason uh, to pursue things maybe a little bit differently than they're pursuing them right now. Um, And so uh, to me, that would be conversations dealing with that, trying to talk about that. I, I find they don't need me to, uh, to spend 30 minutes of telling them why they're wrong. I, I just need them to answer questions to get them to begin thinking about it. And I think a lot of times they self-discover as I kind yeah. of navigate them. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. kind of navigate them to, okay. I mean, without kind of gentle, but firm, you know, like, we kind of have a fun way to say it. And I would say this, well, how's that working for you? You know? Yeah, so how's that yeah. working in your third marriage? And you know, your kids don't, don't let you see the, your grandkids. That would be my circumstances that I deal with people in that. So like, how's that working for you? Sure. Um, and so coming from a place of, um, instability and weakness 
where they they love to give this punchline. It's awesome. You know, I got season tickets and I got the house I want. I've got a place in Colorado. And I said, so have you, are you lonely? I mean, so I'm asking questions to, to move towards that. Sure. I guess. Sure. So I, I, you know, I think Paul pointed out two kind of really, really options of the people that we run into when it comes to this whole idea of evangelism, which is the people that are, are broken and are hurting and are searching for something better. Right. And then there's people that, um, have no clue that they need something right and so drew i'm sure that on a college campus um drew moss that is uh you encounter both of those right you encounter people that are very hurting and very broken and then you also encounter people that say like hey i you know i don't know if i need anything like i'm (laughs) i'm very self-sustaining at this point and so how, how do you approach kind of some of these conversations like what's your process of walking somebody through um helping them see their need for Jesus and then again, leading them to an understanding that Jesus is the only way. Um, I'll steal from somebody here a little bit. Uh, we've been, we've been reading through this book actually with our student leaders at the table called honest evangelism by Rico Tice. Mm -hmm. And he, he kind of mentions a few things. He says that, um, we want to be the kind of people who are both, uh, uh, who are being and doing. So first we're, we're the kind of people who are living out the Christian faith in front of people that, that we're showing something different to them. And then he uses the phrase, it sounds kind of British because he is British, but chatting our faith. Um, we want to be the kind of people who it is normal for us to talk about the things of Jesus in our lives. Like um, that, that um, in the same way I might talk about my kids or I might talk about my job or I might not always in like a straightforward gospel presentation, just talking about things I was praying about or things I'm doing with my church or those kinds of things. Um, and then, uh, and then he says, we want to, we want to be, uh, looking as we're having, as we're chatting our faith, talking about Jesus, we want to be looking for what he calls pain line questions questions that might pro that might cross the pain line for either mm. me or that person that yeah. might make things a little bit awkward but opportunities like like you know paul kind of mentioned things like when when someone talks about their marriage and the problem well how's that how's that working for you you know what i mean or um you uh you seem to i keep thinking i want to ask my neighbor a guy who seems to have a lot of ethics and a lot of uh, moral principles and even sort of a bit of a philosophy of life to just go, man, you seem to have a real kind of, I don't know if it's fully thought out, but a kind of a philosophy of life, the way you want to live your life, taking care of the earth, being kind to other people. Where does that come from? That's kind of a, a bit of a pain line question where he, he might be cut. He might say, Hey, none of your business, or he may start to open up. And hopefully as I ask those kinds of questions, hopefully they start to ask those kinds of questions back. You know what I mean? Or answer those things. And then when it comes to actually what we're talking through, I love, you know, he, he really, uh, Tice says really simply, you want to make sure you hit three things and they're all connected to Jesus. You, you need to make, to, to share the gospel, you have to talk about the identity of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and the call of Jesus. So I got to talk about who he is. Um, Romans 1, I think 3 through 5, that he is the Messiah because he's the son of David. But also by the resurrection, he proves that he's the son of God. So he's the promised king and the son of God. Um, his mission, he came to seek and save the lost, that he did that through dying on a cross in our place for our sins. Isaiah 53, uh, Romans 3, uh, and then uh, the call that's placed on our life. And so he, he then calls you to place your allegiance in him. Uh, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so these three things all around Jesus I have to be talked through with a person. So I gotta understand who he is, I gotta understand why he came, identity mission, and I gotta understand the call he places on our lives to do to, to respond to that and not just to believe those those things are true, but to respond with my life in a confession of loyalty and allegiance to him. So Okay. Yeah. And obviously Drew Henderson then I mean that that looks a little bit different. You know, we, we kind of have a progression here from <laughs> from an older side to a younger side here. So as you work with, with high school and junior high students, junior high in particular, um, w- what does that look like for you? And, 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 you know, again, people with kids, right, are, are having these conversations. And so, you know, we want we want Jesus talk, you know, or chatting about Jesus. There you go. That I was like it. That wasn't my best. It was, it was pretty good. Sna- it was right. His name is Rico? Yeah. From... Rico from Britain. From East England. Yeah, Rico. I think it's I think it's Richard is his full name goes by Rico. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> as Rico was saying, you know, chatting <laughs> about Jesus. You know, we want we want these to be a normal conversation in our homes, right? Um, and yet, for some parents, that can feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Right. That can feel different. If if you're good at talking about sports with your kids, or if you're good about talking about school with your kids, um, but Jesus is something that just kind of you do on Sundays and Wednesdays and you allow other people to do for you. Um, this whole idea of evangelizing our family even can be kind of a, a weird thing. And so as kind of, y- you have a son that you actually are baptizing this Sunday, right? Eli. Yep. We're super yep. excited about mm-hmm. it. Um, but what, you know, give, give me some encouragement to parents or, or give me some guidelines um, for, for parents of how do, how do I walk my kids through um, th- this, this gospel message, you know, what did that look like for you and Eli, or what does that look like, you know, for other parents who are wanting to chat about Jesus more often at home? Yeah, I think it, at the very beginning, has to start with you as, as a, first of all, an individual person, and then as a, a father or mother. Um, I think s- one of the reasons why these conversations are so potentially awkward, and I'm talking about even myself, okay, so it's not, this is just so easy for us to sit down and talk about faith. Um, You know, I have to, I have to wrestle with, do I really believe who Jesus, like Drew said, you know, is he really who he said he was? What he did, does he back up his claims? Is he, in fact, God, Mm -hmm. right? And I think whenever we start to ask ourselves some of these questions, ourselves some of these questions <laughs> um I, I i think that really is a conviction for us and I, I think that each one of us has to deal with that deal with him jesus first and then as we do that and as we realize and maybe even are a bit convicted like um am, am i just bringing my kid to church because they like it here they have good friends here. This is a good, positive environment, a place for them to be a part of. Um, you're telling them good things, and we want them to hear good things to counteract the things that they might be hearing at school. And that's really not the reason that we share the gospel with our kids. That would be more of the, the overflow or the benefit or the result of people who have been transformed by the gospel. And that would start first with me and you and then as, as parents. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's where it does have to begin. And uh, as we, um, as I was sitting down with Eli just several weeks ago, 
um, going through our, our booklet that we have, um, that we kind of have here at the church. And it can seem very, very formal, even a little awkward or weird and convicting. It seems like I need to be talking about these things more. Mm-hmm. It's like when your kid gets in trouble, okay, we need to go to lunch and have a talk, right? Well, how come you never take me to lunch ever unless I'm in trouble? <laughs> and right. it kind of seems like the same thing. Uh, okay, we're going to have this spiritual discussion or I'll bring you to your pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and that's cool. That's, what we, that's why we're here. And so we don't expect everyone to have all the answers or to feel 100% comfortable all the time. That's what we're here for and how we want to train you. Um, but we just sat down, started working through it. And um, I could tell in the beginning, he was just kind of searching for some answers. And then it was kind of amazing just to hear some of his different thoughts that, mm-hmm. um, that we'd talked about at home, but that he's heard from you, that he's heard from many of his leaders. Um, and I would say that even as uncomfortable as it may be, um, we need to talk about those things. Yeah. And uh, as and I'll even honestly say, it's like, okay, re- tonight, it's nine almost. <laughs> We're at tonight. We've got a, the baptism Sunday, and we've got to race our way through the book, right? Sure. And so, but that has to be the top. Man, if not anything else, it's got to be the top of my list. Yeah. If this truly is the life ch- life-changing message of the gospel, mm-hmm. What more important thing could I do with my week than yeah. to sit down and talk talk with him about that? Yeah, and I love what you said that th- this is the most important thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, where your kids go to school or what team they play for, like all of those things find their answers and find their meaning in the gospel. And so if you're not having conversations about Jesus at home, then everything you're doing is built on, you know, Jesus calls it sand. <laughs> you know, and so challenging, you know, especially parents, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be, like start somewhere. Right. I mean, that's the hard thing. You don't have to be a deep theologian to begin these conversations. I mean, just simply talk about your experience with Jesus um, is is one of the easiest things you can do um, in in this whole process of evangelism. Right. Um, And Henderson, you brought up something that I thought was really interesting there. Um, You know, you said that at some level we have to have a conviction. Right. Um, As individuals, we have to have a conviction about what we believe and why we believe it. I think that's actually the number one hindrance i don't know if you want to call it a problem sure but if you can trace it back do we really believe what we say but we believe about who jesus is Mm -hmm. well i think one of the ways that that fleshes itself out is is sometimes we think i just gotta tell my seven-year-old or 17 year old that here i'm convicted about these things versus i'm i'm also displaying as as the role of the family leader for me as a husband the idea that you know what i i also admit sin so like you know this is I see an opportunity at a commercial and we talk about that commercial or we hear a song on the radio or we see a situation on the ball field and somebody reacts or acts away or, or, or they, I can just tell that they're seeing something that seems not what you've been modeling for me. And so it's a great opportunity to talk about that because it's already, everybody's already thinking about it and start a conversation about that as well as I think one of the best ways to uh, example, my convictions is to, uh, repent in front of my children hmm. or let them see me apologize to my wife. Yeah. Um, not just, Hey, sorry, I'm running late. Sorry. I missed dinner. No, here, let me explain. This was wrong of me, mm-hmm. you know, and letting the kids be a part of that. Um, which we think will, will uh, cast a fear in them, which really is the opposite. Cast their confidence and a security by this is being modeled. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of times, the convictions are, here's why I believe these things. And then also, 
because I believe these things, my conviction is fleshed out by here's why I need to change and, uh, and apologize, repent about uh, a response that I had to your mom or to you as a, as a child or, or I neglected this and I want to let you guys know that I, I dropped the ball here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and on that line of conviction, okay. right, here, here's our final question. And, Moss, I'm going to throw this to you first. Um, why do you believe in God then? You know, this is a question that DeFazio asked, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's one that, you know, I've been wrestling through in my mind recently. Yeah. And, um, you know, as we were kind of talking about what this blindside podcast would look like, yeah. you know, I think uh-huh. it has to end here, right? Um, it has to end with, with ultimately us talking about, uh, you know, because of the gospel and our our process of evangelism all come back to this whole idea of do we truly believe that this is real? And so um, I, I just want to throw that to you. Um, why do you believe and God. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I've been thinking a little bit about it <laughs> since then. I don't know if uh, I'll be able to articulate it. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to articulate it uh, as clearly as I'd like, but um, I think I go, these three things draw me back to belief in God a lot. Anytime I ever start to go, man, am I crazy? I look around at the world and go, it seems like there's not a whole lot of people who believe the stuff I believe. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, three things draw me back a lot. Um, one is, uh, this is kind of one and one a design and beauty in that Mm -hmm. when I just look around at the world and and the the way things are designed, um, the intricacies of things and even the beauty I'm driving past the leaves changing colors and that doesn't have to happen. Leaves didn't have to change colors by their existence, but, uh, the way that that stuff happens, music, uh, pleasure, these kinds of things just uh, seem to me to hint strongly that there's something more than mere random chaos and chance that brought everything about the mm-hmm. design. Uh, the second thing is morality. And I kind of talked a little bit about this, but yep. I just don't care who you are. I, there is no one who really believes if there was no God, then there would be no right and wrong. If there was no absolute being, then there's no absolute truth or standard on which we ought to live. Um, and there's just no one who really believes that. Even people who say that they believe that don't live that out, can't live that out, can't say that, well, genocide's actually okay because we're just all animals um, or, or rape or murder or whatever these things are, abuse of a child because a child is just like a you know, glorified um, ape. It's no different than your kitten. It's no different than, you know, all these. Uh, and so uh, I think every one of us knows that there's right and wrong, even yeah. if people may disagree on what is or isn't. Everyone knows at the core that there's right or wrong, which is a which is a strong hint and clue. If there is a standard we ought to live by, then there is a standard maker mm-hmm. who created that mm-hmm. um, that we have to live up to. And then third, I, I always, this is the biggest one for me, is the resurrection. Yeah. That I cannot historically, if you understand uh, like first and second century Palestine or, or the, the century le- leading up to the first century and all that, you as you understand Judaism, what we call second temple Judaism in that, um, there is no way for a, a group of people to come out of Judaism claiming for a human being to be God um, and, and changing their day of worship uh, in, in less something crazy happened. And what those people said from the beginning all the way back, earliest, earliest document, we know at least as early as 54 AD, they were saying, uh, Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, that the reason they started claiming this guy was God and the reason they changed their day of worship and the reason they changed their belief on all these practices like circumcision is because 
um, Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. And then when you start to walk through, we don't have time right now, but when you start to walk through the alternatives for, okay, well, if he didn't raise for the dead, then what actually did happen that made them all believe that? Um, man, they just fall flat really yeah. quickly. And so that always, uh, the resurrection is the first place I go when I need to get my bearings straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but design and morality fall, fall quickly after that. So. Okay, Paul, quickly, what, yeah. where's your conviction? Yeah, I mean, design is always one. Yes, you know, this week we s- sat on a lake and getting up in the morning and literally watching leaves change in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, whether you think design specifically, just the seasons of how, uh, how I can count on fall coming, I can count on winter coming. And so those kinds of things point to a designer. So that's, that's one I, I would agree totally with. What Drew has said, I mean, just the results of the resurrection, the people, the transformation, the changes in uh, uh, the movement of the history we have reporting to that, all that uh, is, is very, very uh, enlightening and encouraging me and convicting and confirming about what I believe. Uh, I think probably one that plays a big role in me is the witness, mm-hmm. the witness of the saints. Um, and so I, I look back at uh, uh, the transformation of the story that my dad tells about his brothers and their mom and then their dad coming to Jesus, uh, uh, having a, a father-in-law who lived a certain way uh, to raise uh, now my brother and sister-in-laws, um, the ongoing of that, that people in this, in this place that come here every Sunday mm-hmm. are a witness to me. And so it's, it's the witness of my family. It's the witness of the people that I work with as as a church body it's the witnesses of saints uh from years gone by uh that what they would do at the cost they've counted a cost is what the scriptures talk about and they've counted a cost and they and they have found joy uh that is directly opposite of of where we serve and reach for joy uh in our world a lot of times things that we think are going to satisfy I, I just have seen too much witness personally and then looking in the history of, of that witness. So to me, if I was to add one, it would be the witness of saints. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Henderson. Um, Zane, I believe in God because <laughs> um, Jesus was more than a carpenter. Thank you, Josh McDowell. <laughs> um, no, I would just like to add to what Drew said by putting some alliteration to that. That would be creation, mm-hmm. conscience, and Christ. That is exactly Ooh, I like why I believe in, uh, no, um, what they said. Um, I believe that what the Bible talks about in Psalm 19, that heavens declare the glory of God, or Psalm 8, or 8 or 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 1 and 2, talking about the creation, talking about the conscience that God how uh, men are without excuse at the, at, at the end because we know that there is some ultimate right and wrong. And um, like I said at the beginning, I believe Christianity uh, does best explain life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't about putting uh, our, I don't want to call it religion, but our, our worldview up against other worldviews, and we're going to just kind of duke it out and see who's the best. That's not necessarily it. But at some point, um, that kind of does, like what really does account for evil in the world, like and actually the solution? Um, how, how, do, how, does, how do the other religions stack up to this? 
I don't believe that Islam, as you just submit and hope, mm-hmm. just do your best and hope, I don't think that best explains life. I don't think Mormonism, just do good and, and do your best, I don't think that really explains it. And uh, so all of those things that they said, that there's a creation, that God has given us a conscience, and that because we have a conscience, there has to be something else. And the person and work of Jesus Christ, as, as Lynn Gardner taught us, yeah. like the person and work, what he claimed, what he did, do those two things line up? Did he, in fact, back up what he, what he claimed? And the answer would be all throughout the Gospels, yes, and that's affirmed throughout the New Testament. But, and then kind of like what, what Paul said, I have no, literally no other way to explain uh, like my life change. I, I, I just, I don't. Mm-hmm. And that would be because of the Holy Spirit of God called me out, changed me, right? And so that's, that's why I believe. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we want to wrap it up here before too long. And so I just, I want to read to you. Um, there's, there's gospel verses, right, throughout the Bible that, you know, the, the men that have put, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have put this, this word together. I mean, one of my, my favorite gospel verses is actually in Titus 3. Um, four through seven, and and he just says, um, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, right? So much emphasis on the work of Jesus, like you guys have all said today. And then he said, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so um, we, want, we want to leave that um, gospel truth, that, that good news ringing in your ears. And then we want to we challenge you kind of in the same way that we've been challenged um, for each and every one of, of us to kind of think through those three questions. You know, um, think through why, why do you believe in God? You know, you are coming here on Sundays. You're going to your church on Sunday mornings. Um, and, you know, this is a dedication, and, and we want you to, to honestly wrestle through and think through why do you believe in God? And then um, w- how would you define, you know, this good news? How would you define the gospel to somebody in your life who is asking, who is desperately seeking, um, who needs this truth? How, how would you articulate that to somebody else? And then finally, um, you know, because there is such an emphasis on Scripture for us, um, to, to share this truth with other people that we we have this this healing we have this this hope in Christ um, and there's people that do not have that um, that there is this 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 call like drew said that that we have to, to share this truth with others and so what what are you doing about that what's your process um, and if if nothing else we want this podcast to at least stir some thoughts in your own hearts and minds on those three so again um, be thinking through about why why you believe in God how you would articulate the gospel, and then what's your plan for, for walking people through this process. So um, thank you guys so much for chatting. Um, we hope this has been a joy um, and, a, and a challenge at some level um, to everybody listening. So we'll see you guys next time on Consider This.